in this movie that's still 10% 3D, John Milton comes back from the depths of hell to save his granddaughter from a satanic cult. This week, we watched Drive Angry. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! Interesting choice of words. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beat! Not the beat! Ah! Oh, my God. I'm a pixie pair! <laughs> okay, let's run. This is The Unbearable Fate of Massive Talent. I'm Brittany Green. And I'm Liz Kurtzman. And uh, what'd you think? Oh, this is this is what I wanted yeah. today. Yeah, this is why this is everything I hoped for myself. Yes, this is why we made this podcast. It's for these kind of films. Yeah. Uh it's bananas. It was so much fun to watch. It's so silly. It's so a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. We have a lot to talk about. I think we got maybe ten minutes in and I was like When did Machete come out? (laughs) Because there's so much of this movie that is like, this is like Robert Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. This is like, you know, like. It's the like. This is a real like grindhouse parody kind of. uh, Yeah, it's the parody that is also the thing. Yeah. You know, it's not just like making fun of it, it's also like embracing all of those traits of the genre. It's so fun. And it, it yeah, they knew exactly what movie they were making, and they just said 110% go for it. Um, and they sure did. Yeah. They sure did. This is from uh, 2011. Um, as you pointed out, uh, only a year after Machete. So, <laughs> same, same time period. Um, we also like to call this movie. Dravagri, because that is the license plate <laughs> of the um, car in the film. And, um, yeah, I don't know. This was Nicholas Cage. The, the movie starts off, and it was just immediately throwing you into who had no idea. talking to us? I bet if we went back, it would be William Fitchner. Probably, right? I think so. Because in my head, when they were, it was obviously hell. Mm-hmm. And I assumed that the car that, that the vaulted out of the prison out of hell was probably Nicolas Cage. And the voiceover, I assumed, was the devil. Yeah. And we were going to meet the devil. We never meet the devil in this yeah. film. But we meet William Fitchner, who plays the accountant, who is sort of the, um, I guess, like, the the Marshall version, like, Marshall does, Demon, who has yeah. to go and find the lost souls um, and bring them back. And so I bet I'm betting he was the one who did that initial voiceover. But the voiceover is so vague and <laughs> it happened and we were both just like, I don't know what's happening. Most, what was that? It's most, also just the worst to CGI. Oh man, this movie has bad CGI. Such bad oh, CGI. Oh, the CGI is is rough. And the practical effects and the gore makeup, great. Yeah. Really good. Really good. Um, I Lots looked up. I didn't recognize flesh any flesh falling off of bone. Yes, and just um, didn't recognize any of the names on the special effects people from horror movies. But, but we do know that like the director and yes. there was a cameo of the writer, and they're all mm-hmm. pretty entrenched in that sort of in all of the horror stuff. Yes. So I sort of recognized Todd Farmer when he came on screen. I said. That big bald man looks very familiar. That's why I looked to see who he was. And I said, okay, because Todd Farmer, 
also, he's the writer of this film. He also wrote Jason X and the remake of My Bloody Valentine. And in both of those films, he also plays a small part where he gets killed horribly. And the director of this also directed My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, and similar energy for all those films. All of them are, the other two are more explicitly horror, but are also very gory and ridiculous and have a lot of, like, stock characters. Um, And so that totally made sense to me once I realized it was Todd Farmer. I said, yeah, okay, we're here. (laughs) But surprisingly, this film has a lot of, I, I guess you couldn't say big stars, but a lot of recognizable people, a lot yeah. of character actors. Um, we had, we've already talked about William Fitchner. Um, we also have, obviously, Nicolas Cage, Amber Heard. Um, David Morse is also in this. Um, so there's a lot of, and then And Billy Tom, Boyd, right? Bill, That's his name? Billy Burke. Burke. Wait, <laughs> Billy Boyd Billy is a Billy Boyd is a too. hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. That's Pippin. I would love to see Pippin in that role, though. I'm gonna tell uh, you a horror fact that I bet you don't know. Okay. Billy Boyd did the voice of Glenn, which was in the seat of Chucky, which is oh, Chucky's funny. son. Okay, that's great. Child, I should say. Um, but yeah, it's Billy Boyd. Why child and not son? Uh, because it's a gender fluid character. Oh, fun. The Chucky movies are very, very queer. Fun. Yeah. They were written by a queer um, writer, and he directed some of them, and throughout, you have... for The first few is more like queer allegories, and then as it gets on, they're just like, these characters are gay! (laughs) Um, It's wonderful. Um, But it's just so funny that Billy Boyd does, like, the Scottish accent, and everyone else is American. (laughs) It's just like Master of Disguise. Yes. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, anyway, Billy Boyd is not in this film. <laughs> Billy, <laughs> Billy Burke, Burke is in this film, and he is Charlie Swan from the Twilight movies, and he plays the villain in this, and he's doing his best Billy... Oh, he's so good. Like, uh, Billy Bob Thornton yeah. in the film, and he's very good. He's very creepy. He's hilarious. He's pretty hilarious, too, but God. there's some genuinely so, like, the gross parts. Jumping way, way, way ahead of where we should be. Yeah. Him just, like, winking at Nicolas Cage... <laughs> throughout, like, that final fight scene. Yes. Just, like, literally winking. I think... I, I don't want the audience to misunderstand me when I... That's not a metaphor. It's not a metaphor. He's literally winking. I feel that the director told everyone, like, you know, great... Uh, Great try on this next take. I want you... To get rid of any subtlety that you used in that. Throw the subtlety out the window. Um, why don't you just wink at him? Just wink. <laughs> just, everything just like, is so over the top. Which I guess does feed into the uh, extreme overt sexuality of this movie. Oh. <laughs> because he's like kind of flirting, right? He's like, yeah. we're going to kill each other, but also like, you want to fuck? Uh. <laughs> I have never seen a more sexual film in my life. <laughs> no, and I've seen some pretty sexual films. Yeah. But not, not more than this. I've seen documentaries about porn, and this Documentaries (laughs) about porn? Yeah, okay. Have you ever seen the documentary After Porn? No. It's very good. You should check it out. It's about, like, five porn stars after they leave the industry, and how they try to, like, go in a different direction, and whether they can or not. Great documentary. Really sad. So you were like, (laughs) jeez. Just a real downer. Just a real spoiler, but, uh, it's sad. They don't, some of them don't. 
don't do a great job. I felt like you were making, like, the joke of, like, I saw a documentary about porn once, but it was actually just porn. <laughs> That's just what I call it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a documentary about sex. Yeah. Do you mean porn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some interviews in there. <laughs> at the very end, I think. <laughs> the beginning, at the beginning, they have interviews. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this was everyone in this film, I would say for the first hour? Everyone. Uh, everyone in the first hour is so horny. I just had no idea what was going on. I Well, this is the other thing that I was going to say, is that most films like this have so much exposition in them. Yes. Usually when you watch a film like this, they will explain the plot to you over and over and over again. They actually, yeah, you're, you're totally right. We were lost for a while. We knew something about his daughter because he, he, in that scene, right after he, like, leaves hell... You see him chasing these guys in a truck. He chases them down. He kills them. But before he does, he's like, where is she? And they say, and he says, like, my baby girl. And we're like, so I think he's after his daughter. Um, but then we were like, when he met Amber Heard, we were like, is that his daughter? <laughs> Every time we met someone, we were like, is that the daughter? You know, at the time I was watching it, I would thought that that was confusing. But in retrospect, I think that's kind of fun as a way of laying out the story because I think that the reason that it just kind of keeps you off balance for yeah. <laughs> a lot of it. But I don't think, I think there they, was... they also know that the plot isn't important. Yeah. We're, like... we're here for him doing like these stupid shootouts where he's like not aiming at anything. Yes. For us, guts though, going everywhere. knowing that we were going to be doing this after we watched it, we had <laughs> to rewind one scene three times because we are like, Wait, what? I need to know huh? what's happening. <laughs> what did he say? Wait. That might have been, again. <laughs> might have been a little bit the angry navels getting to us, but What are you, you talking know. about? Oh yeah. Um, we are currently drinking our second this is only the second time. This is our done second it. signature cocktail. Signature cocktail that we've made. <laughs> it is an angry navel, which is a lot like a fuzzy navel, except you add a little bit of ginger beer to it. <laughs> Just for fun. Adds a little adds a little bubble. But the bubbles the bubbles are angry. The bubbles are angry. <laughs> it's delicious. We put the recipe up on our Instagram. So this is our excuse to tell you, go follow our Instagram. Go follow our Instagram. Follow us on social media. You can also follow us on Facebook. It's the same as our Instagram. Yeah. But we have fewer people that follow us there. Right. Well. That's fine. That's where all the grandmas are. <laughs> um... <laughs> Speaking of which, hi, Grandma, if you're listening to this. <laughs> oh, my grandma is not listening to this. She does not know how to work a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, so here's some fun uh, trivia for you. Um, Nicolas Cage was very interested in doing this movie, partially because this movie came out in 3D, and he wanted to try a 3D film. I He'd never how- done one before, and he said, I want to try that out. This was a perfect movie for him. Yeah. It was supposed to be a, a much older man. Really? John uh, that makes sense. Milton was supposed to be like... Is his name John Milton? I think Milton? they only ever call him Milton. Um, Milton was supposed to be like in his 70s. Interesting. And then they asked... And, and then, then like, Nicolas Cage wanted to do it. And they said, well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Um, but it was his idea. He wanted to shave his head and do a big tattoo on his cranium. And they said, don't no. do that. <laughs> and instead he has the worst hair. It's maybe, it's up there for the worst Nicholas Cage hair. Rough. If, does he have to have blonde hair in all of his car movies? Is that it? Maybe. 
So far, we're two for two. Two for two. And Are that's they... his hair. That's not a wig. That makes sense. Because it's, it's got his hairline. They all have his hairline, though. Yeah. I don't know. It looks like it got bleached to hell. Maybe that's what they did to him in hell. Could be. <laughs> bleached. In hell, you get bad highlights. <laughs> <laughs> they bleach it over and over, and they don't tone it. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so that opening scene, they kind of just put you right into it, and he's murdering some randos that you get introduced to, who, at this point, I guess, were probably cult members? I guess they must have been cult members. Um, we're not... We never find out... They had to have been, right? How long he was in hell. It was since his daughter had been 15. Right, but we don't know... I She could have been... It was several years. It was several years, but from the way people... From the way that lady reacted to his driver's license, you would have thought it was 20 years. Well, here's what we know. His daughter, he was 15, or she, his daughter was 15 when he died. When he died. Um, or at least when he disappeared from her life. But it sort of seemed like he died pretty soon after that. From her, from the flashback we see of her death, I would guess she was in her early 20s? Yeah, we know that she got married to, like, some hippie wearing sandals, right? That was a thing. Uh Uh-huh. And that they joined the cult, and that she was in the cult for at least two years. Okay. So, it's been some years. Here's the thing. His license said his... His... Okay. They said his birth date was 1951. It would be interesting to pause the movie on that ID shot. Nicholas Cage was born in 1964. So from that, you could think maybe he was in hell for like 15 10, years. 15 years. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably it. But the other weird thing is that people that he runs into that knew of him when he was alive kept saying, I thought he was, I thought you were dead in a way that made it seem like they'd heard a rumor that he died and maybe it was a year ago. <laughs> Well, Do you know what I mean? David Morse slash Webster. David Morse knew. Knew. He was like, I carried your casket. Yes. But then, like, the guy who ran the bar was like, I thought you were dead. And the guys at the beginning were like, I thought he died. Which, why would they even know who he was? Well, maybe because of whatever his gangster stuff was to when he was uh, with David Morse. Maybe he was very famous as a criminal. The timelines, I wish we'd gotten a little... More clear. Um. You're like, I don't care. Yeah. I I think it's fun that he's a little bit mysterious. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't give us too much information about him. Like, yeah. we don't even really know how he died. We know that, or we assume from what Webster said, that he died getting, like, killing, killing the guys. The people who were going to kill him and David Morse yeah. slash Webster. Yes. Um. But even then, he doesn't really give. Mm-mm. He doesn't outright say it. He says, like, she's like, how did you get out if you if he wasn't able to get out? And he's like, he went after the guys. I would have gone with him. He, he didn't ask. I would have gone. And you can tell he really regrets it. And so we were like, ah, that's how he died. And that's all we know. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. That's fine. Yeah, I think the more I think about the amount of information, I think the better. Yeah. I think it was enough. Oh, a couple fun things. A couple fun literature things um, <laughs> from me, the nerd. Uh, so his name's Milton. Um, don't know if it's first or last. 
But it's definitely a reference to John Milton, who is the author of Paradise Lost, which is a famous poem about um, Satan falling and making hell. Um, and then we later meet his friend, whose name is Webster, which is a reference to the David and da- da- the, the devil, devil and <laughs> Daniel Webster, Webster um, which is about a man who is able to cheat the devil. Uh, to avoid hell, which is what Webster kind of did, because he got out of the game. Right. Um, so I thought those were kind of fun. Yeah. Um, it felt like Todd Farmer was like, I know some things. I'm smart. <laughs> I'm smart. I took English classes. <laughs> <laughs> and now I write movies about Jason going to space. Um, <laughs> so after he kills those guys, he goes to the diner. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to talk about the diner a little bit. <sighs> the diner. Uh, the diner is where we meet Amber Heard's character, Piper. Yeah. Uh, and... Her nameless friend. And her nameless friend. And this is really where this movie just goes from, like, zero to a thousand on a scale of, like, horniness. (laughs) For no reason. No reason. But, uh, yeah, so the diner scene opens on Amber Heard talking to her friend about how she decided to start withholding sex from her boyfriend to get him to propose to her, and it worked, I guess. She gives a very graphic description of withholding sex from him, and they laugh about it. And it, it worked. She didn't get a diamond, but he did go down on one knee. And they're both excited about that. It's unclear to me why she was wanting to marry that dude. I don't in the first know. place, because it didn't really seem like she liked him that much And to he begin looked with. like a thumb. Like, he God didn't bless have a Todd job. Farmer, but like... He's not a very attractive man, and she is Amber Heard. And like, why go through all of these steps of manipulating? Because women want to get married. That yeah, is the that's goal. That's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the idea. But it also, like... It, but why would you want to get married to somebody that you don't enjoy having sex with, but you're also not benefiting from in any other way, seemingly? Mm-hmm. Because he, that's like, doesn't what, have money to get her, you, you know, he doesn't have money. That's what the writer said. <laughs> it's, and also, it does sort of, like, Amber Heard's character is very sexual without seeming to like sex. Yeah. Is what we came up with. Because in addition to the scene where she talks about withholding sex from the boyfriend, there's a later scene where she seduces a guy and then when she gets, she jokes that they're going to paint her nails. And when they go to the bedroom, he's, he's painting her toenails. He's painting her toenails. And she is fully clothed, and he is completely naked. <laughs> yes. It's a very, like, he's dom like, sort of scene. Like, are, you, are we going to have sex? And she's like, depends on how well you paint my nails. Yeah. And we, and then she, like... And you can hear Nicolas Cage and that waitress having sex in the room next oh, that's, door. we got to talk about that. I don't have it in me to talk about that yet. Uh, yeah, we got to get can, through this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need a minute before I can get to that scene. Um, yeah, and then the only other times we see anything sexual involving her are the two times we see men sort of force themselves on her, and she, like, fights them off. Mm Mm-hmm. So, seemingly, it's, she doesn't, not that she would want sex from them either, but it just is, like, generally her character is not... It's very strange. It's a very strange thing. That's sort of opposite of her friend. Yes. Who is... Very much, like, trying to, like, basically get with every man who talks to her, seemingly. Successfully. Um. Yeah, because... Okay. <laughs> At this point, <laughs> we don't know what the goal of the movie is yet. We know Nicolas Cage has escaped from hell. 
We think he's looking for his daughter, but we don't know if she is what age she is. No, we have no idea. We have no idea. Um, and is so that before he's, a, there, there was like that flashback, but we had no idea. We what hadn't was seen going the flashback yet. Flashback either. Like it we wasn't. This I was wasn't, before yeah. the flashback. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, so, you're right. Um, he's just sitting in this corner of this diner, staring at Amber Heard. And so I go, "That's his daughter. He has come here. He's found his daughter." And he even like asks the other waitress, like, is that nice car yeah, belong to her? And I thought, oh, that's their connection. They both like cars or something. That is a red herring for me. Uh, she's not a starter. Um, but while he is talking to this other waitress, she's flirting with I think that was partially him. just because we had read, like, a synopsis of the movie and we knew that he was, like, something with his daughter. Right? I hadn't even got, I hadn't even read Although, the synopsis yet. Yeah, I guess he mentioned, did he mention his daughter specifically? No. So, like, <laughs> we hadn't, the only thing yeah. I was going off of was those guys that he killed said, he said, where's my baby girl? And they said, you know, she's going to be sacrificed to this guy that mid, you know, on the full moon. And so I thought from that, I assumed it was the daughter. I wasn't sure yet. But then when you're staring at Amber Heard, who is half his age, I was like, Oh, could be probably could be. the daughter. Like, and she, honestly, she probably is close to the daughter's is, age, right? Yeah. So that's what I'm rolling on at that point. And this other waitress is flirting with him so hard. She's like, "Do you want to know when I get off?" She holds his hand really oddly. They hold hands. Oh yeah, they have like a whole like moment where they kind of like interlock fingers. Interlock fingers. <laughs> and then he pulls her down and. They make kisses out hard. Her, makes out hard and then for he grabs a her while. Yes. It's weird. And I was I was eating. <laughs> we had just gotten food and I was sitting there eating and I made a noise out loud when that happened. I thought it was like a oh. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. And he It was like, very sudden. And he rocked her world. She looked like she was drugged afterwards. And then he is he just like Follows Amber Heard out when she quits. Because she quits because the boss is hitting on her. The boss sort of gropes her. Yeah. He gropes her and she hits him in the balls. And then she quits. And I was like, oh, he's following her. Because it's his his daughter. No. I guess he he liked her car. car. I think it was the car. Yeah. So that all happened. (laughs) And then while they are heading towards her destination, it's the first time we see the accountant... My favorite character in the film. He's the best. He's played by William Fitchner, and we first just see him strolling up this road from nowhere in his nice suit. He's like, hey, you fat fuck. <laughs> yes. But you need to know the delivery, He because it's to the boss who sucks, right? Yeah. Who, who we've already seen sexually assault one of his waitresses, and then he walks up as the the boss makes this other waitress you know, handle the trash and throw it in the dumpster. Oh, yeah, and he, like, comes up behind her and, he like, comes catches her, her and helps her. She's, like, you know, struggling with the trash, and he kind of, like, like pushes her forward a little yeah. bit and just kind of helps. And it, it, that was, like, a pretty sensual moment. Yes, and then she turns around and gazes into his eyes, and he gives her some, like, sexy bedroom eyes, and I was like, what is this? Who is this woman? <laughs> what is the power that she holds over all these men? <laughs> That's when he says, and it's in this conversational tone, is what got me, was that he looks over at the guy who runs the diner and is just like, hey, you fat fuck. Like that. And I was like, I love this. 
And he proceeds to interrogate them in the vaguest possible terms about whether they've seen Nicholas Cage. There's no way. No There's way you no could way know. You would possibly know he was talking about Nicholas Cage. No from way. This description. No, he said he look. He he probably didn't fit in. And in the meantime, I'm like, he just looks like a he guy. He just looked like a guy with bad hair and like with bad hair and like a leather jacket. And he says he's six one. Looks like he doesn't fit in. Drifter. And she's like, I saw him. And I'm like. That could have been could five have been people anyone. in that diner. Yeah. <laughs> in the scene we saw alone. Um, traveling so, light. I'm like, are people, bringing, light. are people bringing luggage into this diner? Probably on foot. I'm like, they don't know. Someone walks into your restaurant, you don't go, and which car's yours? <laughs> Do you have any any luggage to check in <laughs> while you're here? Like, you just go, you want coffee? So that was very funny to <laughs> Black me. Black with sugar. Black with sugar. Um, I appreciate that. That wasn't just black. <laughs> he put so much sugar in it. Um, yeah. So then we just see William Fitchner continue after him, right? Yeah. And we're like, okay. And at that point, we don't know who he is. Nope. Um, so yeah, he, he, Amber Heard gives him a, a ride as far as where she lives. And then he goes to like make a collect call, I think, from Yeah, he's in like a phone book booth, I guess. Maybe he was looking for Webster's. Could be. Now that we know Webster is a person, I was like, who's he calling? Maybe a taxi? Maybe a taxi, because he doesn't have a way to get the rest of the way to where he needs to go. Yeah. So, so he's over there making a call, and meanwhile, there's this whole scene where Amber walks in, another just, like, very sexual, <laughs> weird moment where her boyfriend, fiancé, is having sex with this woman, and she... Has this knockdown, like, throws the woman outside fully naked. Yeah. There's a weird moment where, like, a stranger takes her picture. Very gross. Oh, I didn't like that. And they kind of have, like, a slap fight. And then she goes back and starts, like, fist fighting with her fiancé. And they're yelling at each other, and we and we both at the it's same very, time. Very weird, <laughs> very weird to watch now in this age of the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. Yes, I was writing. I literally was writing down. This is weird to watch after the trial. And you out loud said, "This seems like it might just be what her relationships were like." And I said, "Oh, you're right." <laughs> Um, yeah, she's totally just sort of in the, at least in the first half of the film, is totally unhinged. And oh, yeah. I think she's just she supposed kinda... to be like a, like a cool, a badass woman, you know? Yeah. I think that they want you to think like, wow, she's really hot and sort of like I kind of just thought she petite, was kind of crazy. But she's crazy. Yeah. She's just crazy. She's like, yeah. I don't know, like. Cussing and, and yelling and it, Yeah. Are you supposed to think it... Are you supposed to root for her when she starts punching her fiancé in the face? Yeah. Yeah, you are. Because, yeah. It's one of those things where it's sort of... It's, it, I don't know. It's a weird scene because she punches... She drags him outside, punches <laughs> him like three times. Punches him like three times, and then he like starts... He like threatens to kill her, basically. Well, he hits her. He hits her. Like, he interrupts her punching him, and, and she, he hits her, and I she I think the thing that kind of spurs him on to like threaten her is when she's talking about how she's going to take the car. Right. Because she'd been making payments on it because he didn't have a job. Yeah. And she said, you know, I'm. he's like, where are you going to go? You don't have anything. And she's like, I've got my car. And he's like, my car. And that's when they start fighting. So anyway, uh, Milton looks over in time to see 
her get hit by him and goes over and just like kind of as he's about to he's like you can leave but i'm gonna mess you up so nobody else is gonna want you yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah. very gross yeah yeah and so he goes over and beats the crap out of the boyfriend and sticks her in the car with him and takes off um i thought the boyfriend died because he got hit with the air conditioner. I did, too. It definitely knocked him out. Yeah, he got knocked out. Because he said he woke up and everybody was gone. So, yeah. you know, he but, was out. Yeah. And so then they start their fun road trip together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> their fun kidnapping, basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was... I... Like, on I, the one hand, you can't leave her there. Right. And... But, and you can't... I guess she you can't, was clearly, like, wait she for was her to wake out. up. Yeah, yeah. because... Uh, he's got to go save his granddaughter. Um, but I, it was kind of a weird move for him to, like, take her car and her... She wakes up and is sort of cool with it. And I would be like, why am I... Where are we going? Who are you? What is this? And, she, yeah, she's just chill. Cause... He's like, you mentioned going to Florida, and I want to go to Louisiana, so you want to go together? Let's go! <laughs> and they're just on the road. Um, oh, yeah, and at some point in here, we start to learn, I think this is where we had the flashback, which at the time didn't make much sense, but now it filled in a made lot of sense, because I said, how is he having a flashback about an event he wasn't at? But we later learn he broke out of hell because hell's torture, one of hell's tortures, is they make you watch terrible things that happen to the people you love. So, like, every horrible thing his daughter went through, he had to watch. And he saw his daughter get killed by this cult leader. Um, She was in this cult, and then, well, she was in this, like, sounds like she was sort of in her, like, hippie, free love, sort of, my life sucks, I want to find some other alternative life, and got mixed up with this cult, and then realized they're more of a uh, Charles Manson cult, um, like, she tried to leave, and he wouldn't let her leave. So and... she left, but then they found her. And he killed her after she bit his dick off. Good for her. Um, but anyway, he saw that, and he saw them take her baby, his granddaughter, and say that they're going to sacrifice her. And he said, not on my watch. And that's when he escaped from hell. Um, but we didn't know that at that point. We were just like, what's that? Is that his daughter? Is that his wife? Who's yeah, that? sort of like a weird flashback, whatever yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And so at this point, we're like, oh, okay, so this cult leader, a.k.a. Charlie Swan, uh, <laughs> is bad news. And we both pointed this out, but this movie feels like a lesser Mandy. Yeah, it's a revenge thing about a cult. Mm-hmm. And, uh, With a, like, charismatic, I guess charismatic, very sexual Charles Manson-type leader. Yeah. Um... And then, yeah, and then it's a revenge hell <laughs> beast yeah. <laughs> uh, story. Um, there could have been more beasts. There could have been more beasts in this one, to be honest. We had one demon, and he was pretty chill. He was just kind of like a dude. Yeah, he was just a guy in a suit. Um, one of the cool things I found out uh, in the trivia is that the coin that the accountant uses all the time. Yeah. He's always flipping around. Uh, it's an obolos from Greece. Um, and these were, uh, you would place one of those under a dead man's tongue hmm. to pay, um, chair on the fairy man, or sometimes it was over the eyes. Um, and then if they, Charon asked if they had payment, they could open their mouth and he would take the coin. Um, 
And so it's supposed to be like he might be Charon. They also allude to the fact that he might be Anubis, mm-hmm. who also weighed souls um, to decide whether they would go to heaven or hell. So there's a lot of weird literary stuff in this, like very campy, very movie. <laughs> campy action film. There's a couple like very. The funny thing to me is that Milton drops a lot of these like mythological or literary. Well, he's the one that said something about Anubis, right? Yeah. He also mentions Loki, and he also mentions Wudan. Maybe Wudan? he just knows all those people from his time in hell. Maybe in hell. That's what. <laughs> Maybe they had to take a mythology course. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of my, my other favorite things that they did in this film, when um, the accountant is talking to some of the Satanists later, and they are like, oh, <laughs> this is probably my favorite line in the film. Um, the, he comes in after, like, um, Milton and the, the cultists have had a knockdown dragout fight in this church, and most of them are dead, and there's one guy who's still alive, but his legs are all fucked up. And he has the worst wig I've ever seen. Yeah. He's got a televangelist wig on. I bet that guy is somebody, right? And that's he like looked a, familiar. That's like a cameo or something. Yeah, because you don't get that stupid of a wig. Why would if you you're put not. a stupid wig on an, an extra? <laughs> yeah, he did look familiar, but I don't know who he was supposed to be. Um, and we did have a, a cameo from Tom Adkins, which right. made me very excited. Um, he used to be in a lot of John Carpenter's and George Romero stuff back in the seventies and eighties. Um, so that was fun. He's only in, like, two scenes, but I love him. Um, oh, yeah. So when they are fighting and he has, there's this, like, stupid pentagram crown sign that's the cult's They, like, carve symbol. it into their skin. Like, he, like, Jonah wears it on this necklace around his that neck. That he gets stabbed with multiple times. Multiple people stab him with it and he keeps wearing it. Um, and then you can identify the cult members because they all have it, like, scratched into their chest, which I'm, like... Not very under the radar, my dudes. Um, but he asks this man, you know, what is that symbol? The accountant does. And the, the guy says, it's a sign of our pact with Lord Satan. And the accountant says, funny, he's never mentioned you. <laughs> <laughs> and we get this whole thing, like, up to this point, the accountant has been chasing Milton, obviously, because he's escaped from hell. And it's not like he is vindictive or cruel or anything. He's just very, like, very, like, lawful evil. Yes. He is just there to do his job. He's not trying to, like, kill people. I mean, he's not afraid to hurt people, but most of the time he'll he'll definitely kill people, but it's not... Only if they get in his way. Yeah. And we they have sort of a a chase, Um, and so at this point, he's just been after Milton. After he talks to this guy, though, he's like, he kind of understands what Milton escaped for mm-hmm. and that there's these Satanists and he allows him to like do what he's there to do before he's going to take him back to hell. Right. We should talk about when that sort of switch happens. Yeah. Uh, the, on the bridge. Yes. Um, yeah. And oh, you know, we didn't talk about the scene that has already happened at this point <sighs> that you don't want to talk about. I skipped it. You skipped it. <laughs> But it's worth mentioning. Oh, we have to talk about it. It's kind of our first shootout of the movie. <sighs> like, is. the first, like, big shootout yeah. action set piece. Besides so we, that opening one. So we go... They end up at this bar that is also kind of a hotel. Um, it's very much like an old-timey saloon kind of a yes. thing. Yes. 
And the name of the bar, I don't remember. It's something like about something balls. balls. Something yeah. about bulls and balls. And like the, even the symbol is very sexual. Bells and balls. Bells and maybe. balls. And it's like a bull and a like hot lady on the sign. And it's like everything, again, so sexual. And this is when, this is like when Amber Heard and Nick Cage first get together. And this is like the, this is just more set piece for Amber Heard's character being sort of insane. Because she gets in, like, this is like, he's known her for a couple of hours at this point, maybe tops, right? Mm-hmm. And they go into this place, and uh, they're at the, they're, like, sitting at the table, and she's like, you gonna fuck that waitress? Yeah. And then he's like, well, you can do what you want, I'm gonna go fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah. Literally, they get to the table, there's just, like... The, the only reason they even go to the table together is so that we can have that moment where the waitress checks his ID. Oh, yeah. And sees that it's out of date, and they make a joke about it. And then they just, like, order beer. Just beer. No names. And then she leaves to go hook up with this guy, and is like, you gonna fuck that waitress? And I'm like, we haven't even sat down. <laughs> like, we've all just walked in. Do they... Does she think you have to have sex with every person you meet? Like, it was so weird. And he does, in fact... He does. ...have sex with that waitress. Fully clothed somehow. Like, yeah. I guess his pants... You see him Maybe he has Velcro. Maybe Velcro. he has a Velcro fly. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and he's got, like... It, it's the most casual, like... It's like he's not doing anything. He's not doing anything. He's just kind of there. And, and he's got a wh- giant cigar hanging out of his this, mouth while it's happening. Uh, and he's, like, actively, like, smoking a cigar and drinking Jack... And, like... <laughs> the setup to the scene, the camera shot, is that she's getting her toenails painted by this poor man, and someone in the next room is having the loudest sex ever. And she starts screaming and pounding on the wall and telling them to shut up. And the camera pans through the wall, and so we can see this fully naked waitress bouncing on top of Nick Cage, who fully is clothed. fully clothed. <laughs> got his, his... I think he's got his sunglasses on. Got a bottle of Jack, and then she, at some point, asks him why he hasn't taken his clothes off, and he says, I never take off my clothes before a gunfight. And then she says, what? And, and then the cultist bursts through the door. Bursts in the like, door. And I said, this man endangered this this poor woman's life, So another, knowing that they were going to come in and shoot him. So then we have this insane gunfight where he is fully just inside her the he whole is. time. And she is She's just naked. Wrapped, and, like, around wrapped around him, him. And he is like, you know, maneuvering, so he's, like, one arm around her and spinning her around while he does the stupidest gun, like... Just not aiming at all, shooting from back. the waist behind like, the back. Like, <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and, oh, and the whole, this poor woman. <laughs> but here's something I really wanted to talk about with this. Wait, is it the electricity? <laughs> the taser? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> I wanted to talk about a plot thing. Okay. Um, why is the cult there? I don't... No! Is it because... I just thought of something. Okay. He leaves the one guy alive at the beginning mm. and tells him to tell his master or whatever. Oh, right? I guess that Is must that be why? it. But then how would they know But And why would they, they go there? after him? Because they... As far as they know, there's no way for him to know where they are. Right. And they walk into... And he's been dead for years. Why would... Yeah. Why would... If so, if you got a call from a dying member of your cult who was like, uh, 
you know that lady we just killed? Her dad, who died a decade ago, just came and shot everyone and is after you. You would be How like... How did they find him at that particular You're obviously place. wrong. <laughs> you lost a leg, you know? Like, you don't know what you're talking about. And then somehow they find him in the next state or wherever they are at this random saloon. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. The whole... Most of the cult's activities don't make any sense in this film. All right, now I want to talk about the electricity. <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's this part... So he gets tased with a cattle prod, basically. Yeah. And it, sh- it just the whole thing is he it, it shocks the lady too who's underneath yeah, him it's, through him. It's kind of because funny. they're still connected through sex. <laughs> I, oh. it, it's it's right now that I wish our podcast was actually a video <laughs> podcast so that people could appreciate how uncomfortable this scene makes you. <laughs> you know, I really, tr- you know, people, for, if they only listen to this podcast and don't know me, they probably are like, Liz Kurtzman is the most sex negative person in the world. <laughs> but it's truly like Nicolas Cage it's films. Cage. <laughs> are just, I, I don't need to think of this man as a sexual being. And also, even if it was a Nicolas Cage, it was a, it was kind weird of a weird sex scene. It was a weird scene. It was a weird scene. And then I was like, this poor woman is being flung around. Is there anybody that you do want to see that scene? Well, in this, in this sex documentary that I watched. <laughs> <laughs> um, Willem Dafoe. Well, no! <laughs> no, never! Absolutely not. I would not. I couldn't see Willem Dafoe either, but for different reasons. Does that make sense? For different reasons? Yeah. Huh. I think most Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid of the size of his penis. <laughs> like the Ark of the Covenant. Like, you don't want to see it. <laughs> Where's Nicolas Cage? It's like, it's like, he feels like my eccentric uncle. Because, like, Willem Dafoe's also, like, very much an eccentric uncle. Yeah, they do have similar energy, so that's probably also why. <laughs> Just one of them's your eccentric uncle that, like, that I've heard rumors a about. Famously huge yes. dog. Yes, exactly. And you're like, I. Oh. Uh, no, thank you. I, I don't need to know that. <laughs> This isn't a sex documentary. I don't even hear about that. (laughs) So anyway, I don't, I don't, even if you were like, yeah, whatever, Nicolas Cage sex, I don't care. This is not, this is not the scene. This is not the one. It's (laughs) rough to watch. Um... Every woman that has to get naked in this film, I feel bad for it. There's a lot of them, too. Yeah. There's a lot of weird objectification and, yeah. That makes it feel like... Like the like a B movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's like very few that don't have just like a lot of sexual exploitation. Yeah. I think it's and obviously like watching a lot of horror films, I'm kinda used to it. Right. But I think that even in twenty eleven it was sort of like It was over the top. It was over the top, but that's what they were doing. Well and like Machete also has yes. like so much over the top, so nudity. much unnecessary nudity. And that's, like that definitely also was like part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like just around that time period, we had more of an appetite, I guess, for sort of like seventies, eighties throwback mm-hmm. camp. Yes, which was definitely this. Right? Yeah, 
yeah, and like you said, Grindhouse, Death Proof, all those were were doing that kind of thing. So that's a, that's absolutely what they were going for. I just, you know, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot for me uh, as a you know Nick Cage uh, sex negative person. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that was like kind of the end of the sex in the movie too. Almost. Yes. Well, that's why I said the almost. first hour, yeah. and then after that, the only other time we we really see anything sexual is when Piper Amber Heard's character is like brawling with Jonah, the cult leader, in the moving RV, and he several being, times like, is being like really you know sexually gross, and he like forces a kiss on her and all this other stuff, and. So that's the only other sexual thing we have in the film. Yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, there the no relationship romance. that these two, that Piper and Milton have is more of surrogate daughter and father instead of sexual. Yeah. Instead of a penis relationship, as I said. <laughs> <laughs> I said, maybe, maybe when the movie started and we realized, well, not when it started, when we realized she wasn't his daughter. I was like, oh, no, are they going to have a penis relationship? They didn't. (laughs) They didn't. They didn't really have any sexual anything, which was very refreshing. Um, I appreciated that. Yeah. She would have been probably younger than his daughter. Yeah. And it made sense, as far as the plot goes, for him to have this surrogate surrogate. daughter type. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think that was was pretty good. Um, Couple things. The bullet that he shoots at the accountant, the one that's like the magic bullet... And uh, it says, God's swift death in Latin. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for <laughs> doing that research. Yes. Also, Jonah care- has a cane that has the daughter's femur bone. And he just carries it around with him. And I said, a femur bone is pretty bulky to well, carry with you. Well, not if it's part you. of a cane. I guess so. I, if yeah. you're going to have a cane anyways, might yeah. as well be a femur cane. Yeah. And he does, He sh- we didn't talk about it, but he shoots Milton in the eye. And this is the point where we Yeah, realize... we just haven't quite gotten there yet, I guess. Well, we've kind of, we've, ta- we've, we've talked about, about it. We yeah, we've circled it. around. We're not going linear with this movie. Uh, linear? L- linear. Lee. Linearly. In order. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he gets shot, and at that point we are... We, I mean, we kind of figure that he had gotten a shot once already, but we just kind of assume that he's just dealing with it, and it wasn't that important of a place to get shot. Yes, this was a death shot. This was in through the, eye. the eyeball. Yeah, and so that's when they take Piper away and put her in the RV, and then Nick Cage pops back up and you know kills everyone in the church. Um, this is another little fun Milton nugget because John Milton uh, was blind, so I thought that that was. This was one of my favorite effects in the film. Was it not was, when he got shot, but when the eye was growing back. Yeah, they did some fun stuff. The different eyes, like they, the, they obviously like changed the contact or whatever yeah. over and over again to like get different stages of how healed it was. And yeah, was kind of cool. And when we actually see that the eye like inflate, <laughs> it it has like sort of a nictating membrane on it, almost like a lizard for a moment, and mm-hmm. then it it turns into like a human eye. And I was like, that's fun. I like the practical effects. Yeah, but this oh the CGI effects were. Very bad. Very bad. We'll talk about the one at the end. That was my favorite one. <laughs> it's also a t- a terrible editing, especially in the fight scenes. 
They're not, it's not easy to tell what's going on. But some of the editing, especially in the action scenes, to me, made it feel more like the B-movie that they were trying to make. That's a very generous reading of it. And you might be right. Yeah. I just was like, especially in, I think I wrote it here because the RV chase. Right. We were like, who's that? Wait, where are they? Who's that person? Like, it was very difficult to follow person to person, action to action, what was going on. Yeah. In the end, I think what it was was some of the cult was still in the church after the RV had taken off. And it did take him a couple of minutes to get up after getting shot in the eyeball. Yes. Um, And there were some of the cult still there, and they saw him get up. And then they chased after him after he had, like, killed a lot of them. Mm-hmm. After, like, sort of coming back from the dead and whatever. Um, but yeah, like, it, I think the only thing that made it confusing for me was the cult member just completely mowing down the other cult member. Um, and they didn't show a shot of, like, who was driving before. So we, like, we thought the accountant had caught up. Yeah. And was in a car. And then it turned out to just be cult members who mowed down their own person. Yeah. Um... But yeah, even when they were like when they were brawling around the RV, it was difficult. Or I guess from... Nicolas Cage could have mowed down. The... No, because she was shooting at Nicolas Cage. Right, and the the car came from behind yes. her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But then they, after she got mowed down, they showed Nicolas Cage's face, which made it seem like he yeah. was the one who hit her. That's what I'm talking about. Is the continuity of the editing? Yep. Was hard, and even when they're brawling in the RV, I couldn't figure out who. They kept showing this woman. They would show this woman sometimes in the window. And then they would show them fighting, and then and I was just like having trouble following what was going on. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was not their strong point. Um. But this is when we meet Webster, David Morse. Um. He shows up to help them because their car gets shot out after Jonah has the worst shooting ability of all time and Mrs. Piper. She was sprawled out over the hood of that car and I don't know how Six feet away from him. Could have possibly missed her. He shot five times and didn't hit her at all. But he did shoot up the engine of the car so they can't drive after them. And then he uses her phone to call his friend who shows up and it's Webster. And he's like, you're dead. I carried your casket. And this is where we finally get... The exposition. <laughs> At the end of the movie, we get the exposition. Yes, and we find out that he was supposedly a great father and a bad husband. Which I said, you can't be both. It's hard to imagine how you could be both. I, I guess it depends on... It's something on... I've heard people say before, but yeah. I always am sort of skeptical. Yeah. Um, it's also hard to be a good father if you're going to disappear when she's 15. Yes, he disappears because... He was, like, supposedly leaving because he was involved he got involved in dangerous, with whatever. a gang or some sort of criminals and so he and uh webster left town abandoned um then yeah as we said he ends up getting killed so that webster can leave the life of crime and become a tow truck driver here's a question so the scene where webster gets out of the truck and they're facing off we see they have this fun little moment where they show that um, Piper is holding the gun behind Milton mm-hmm. in case it's an enemy. And then we also, the camera reverses shot so that you can see that Webster also has a gun. Also has a gun behind the door in case they're an enemy. And Nicolas Cage said, like, after talking to him for a minute, 
says something to the effect of like, are you going to put down that specific, he names a specific type of gun that he's got there. I wonder if that's just from knowing him. Yeah, but you've been dead for like 10 years. You don't know if it's the same gun. (laughs) Yeah, that was a weird moment. Although he's probably been watching him from hell. Oh, that's true. Because that's a person he he cares about. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Because I was like, he didn't have that tow truck when he died. He got the tow truck after he went straight. Yeah, he's probably been watching. I think you can make that assumption. I'll, I'll accept that. Yeah. I'll accept that explanation. Um, ooh, but... I already said what my favorite line was from this movie. Here's my question about that scene, though. <laughs> Would they just shoot down uh, Webster? No. Because she had the gun behind Milton. Yeah, but Milton didn't have a gun. He wasn't going to shoot him. She no, just didn't know who he her. was. Yeah, that's And fair. Milton didn't bother explaining to her, obviously. We don't have time. <laughs> we don't have time. They to never push have time car. to like do one sentence explanations. <laughs> yes. he's, he's. They did also have to push a car for like an hour. Yeah, so. but you could make conversation during that time. No, not possible. You don't think she would be like, "Who just called my phone? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you know? I didn't think you knew anyone." Yeah. Um. Yeah, but my least favorite line in this film was um, oh. when she shattering reality. <laughs> That was a bad Webster line. is the one who does most the, all the exposition to um, at this point she obviously has realized that he is supernatural because she saw him get shot in the head and he came back and so she's like what is going on but the way she says what is going on is that Webster says something like you know a lot of a lot of you know a father will go through anything to like save his daughter or something. And she goes, yeah, but that don't explain shattering reality. And I said, what are you talking about? That's a bad line. What? Shattering reality? That sounds like she saw a wormhole open up or something. That... What? (laughs) Anyway, least favorite film, or least favorite line in the film. Um, Didn't enjoy that at all. They they got to die. Todd Farmer got to the dialogue part and was like, ooh, I don't usually do exposition. <laughs> we just do one-liners and sexual jokes in this film. <laughs> um, yeah, and then... Yeah, so we set oh, them up for the final fight, right? This is where the accountant saves them. Yes. Yeah, so at this point, uh, in an earlier scene, which we skipped over a little bit, um, these uh, the accountant fools these two cops into helping him find... Milton, and they find Milton before he does, and then the shootout, um, they shoot the cops, and they die. And so now all the cops, led by Tom Atkins, are coming after them, because, you know, if you shoot a cop, then, you know, that's the worst crime you could do. Um, so they have these huge, like, Blues Brothers-esque, like, barricades set up. aim for the head, boys. Again, don't know how they knew they would be there. I guess they're follow. They've been following them for a while at this point, but they but they knew what stretch of road they were going to be on. Yeah, and they were like, Webster had picked them up, taken them back to his place, given them a nice shiny SS Chevelle um, to ride into the final fight. And I, 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 if they explained it, I missed how they knew that they were going to be there. Um, but Tom Atkins gives this this speech that's like, when I, you know. I can't tell you to shoot them in the head because that's illegal. But if I say shoot, you know, shoot out their tires, that's what I mean. And I said, I don't think you could just yell that to your troops, but okay, sure, a cab. Um, and so they are facing off against this 
squadron of cars. Things don't look good for our heroes. And then a gas truck comes over the hill. And, it's like labeled like hydrogen or something. Yes, it's specifically hydrogen, um, not gasoline. And what song was playing? Oh, something awesome. Something uh, like really cheerful and like... It was funny. Um, this was a great moment because he has the part... So like he ex- he runs this giant explodey truck into the barricade, the police barricade. And he's, like, bopping his head. He's bopping his head. You also get, like, this slow motion thing where, like, the thing is slowly, the big truck is slowly sort of gliding into all of these other cars, and he, like, gracefully steps out of the car onto the hood of one of the police cars. It looked, the CGI still looked fake, but it was my favorite moment. It was fun. It was was fun. Because it was just so smoothly how he walked out and then just stood there, and I said, this is my favorite character. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just the overall attitude of this character was yeah. really fun. Yeah, and then this is where there's a moment uh, where after he's basically blown up all these cars and he's standing on top of this cop car, he, Nicholas Cage, drives past him and they make eye contact and they have a moment. And we said, okay. Yeah. He's letting him go Only through. to be immediately sort of undermined <sighs> by... He catches up to them when they're about to go and do the final fight, and he sort of holds Amber Heard hostage for no reason, and just, like, takes precious minutes away from Nicolas Cage being able to go and stop the cult from killing. Just to be like, I am on your side. Yeah. I'm gonna hold you up and hold this person hostage, just to give you extra motivation to do this thing you were already going to do. He did take... And he took the gun. He did take the magic gun because, as we saw, the magic gun was able to hurt him. And so I did think I do think he wanted to make sure that, you know, Nicolas Cage couldn't kill him with that gun. But then he like lets Amber Heard take it. Yeah, he shouldn't have kept Amber Heard. No, because he he went with her to the the old prison tower to watch the, the whole fight. Yeah, and you you, honestly, like, I you think he was just having a good time at that point. I yeah. think so too, but. I think that, that, that didn't make a lot of logical. That work. scene was there for the audience, yeah, to understand why he was helping. Because as he tells, it them, would have been a little subtle if it had just been him letting them go at the uh, police barricade. But it should have been like she is watching, and he comes up, and she's scared of him, and then he's like, "Listen, I'm gonna let him do his thing." Because as he says, um, Satan is not interested in like. People worshiping him are sa- he hates it when people sacrifice to him. He's just a quiet man who likes his literature, who is forced to be the warden of this prison, um, which I thought was very fun. I liked that. Yeah, that he was like he doesn't want he doesn't want he doesn't want a sacrificed. Yeah, yeah. he is the, so that's why he was like I'll so help really them. Really annoys him. Yes, <laughs> um, quiet, thoughtful man who loves literature. I was like he sounds nice. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he's like, I'm gonna let you do your thing, and then you're gonna come with me. Um, so, he does his thing. Uh. And this is where the CGI gets really bad. And this is where, I swear to God, like, half of the scenes in this final fight scene were still in 3D from when this movie was in 3D in theaters. Yes, they were. It would get, like, at first I thought I was- double vision thing? Yeah. I was like, what is wrong with my eyes? And then you pointed it out and I said, oh, okay. I understand now. 
There was Did also you? a lot more scenes that were clearly made to be 3D because you got a scene of like Nicolas Cage shooting a gun and the barrel is pointed directly at the camera and the bullets are coming yes. out at you and like Up. stuff flying out towards the cameras. And... Up until that scene, I was sort of surprised it was 3D because there wasn't any, there wasn't, wasn't that any of that stuff. Here's the thing that I feel I remember about when there was like every movie was in 3D. I feel like there's always, like, one scene that was close to the end, Mm -hmm. right? Where they're just pulling out all the stops to be like, Remember, it's 3D! This is why you paid four extra dollars (laughs) for this movie! It's coming at your face! It's coming at you! You ducked and you look ridiculous! (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, This was definitely that scene. My Bloody Valentine has a moment where, like, a tree branch goes through a window when someone crashes a car and it narrowly misses them, but the tree branch comes straight out at the audience, and then it, like, holds on it for like 10 seconds and when i was watching it at home i was like what and then i go <laughs> oh, oh this was 3D. to 3d yeah. <laughs> um yeah so yeah in the scene at, at this point it's just shooting driving into people things blowing up lots of stuff flying at the camera um milton eventually his car gets flipped and he's getting beaten with his with his daughter's femur bone, which was rough to watch. This is where you get uh, the winks from. Uh, oh yeah, the bad guy from Jonah. Jonah. Oh, he Jonah was just camping it up in this scene. It was so fun. He's wearing like a silk, silk a red, red silk shirt, button-up shirt, and I was like, oh, he's feeling himself. He has the worst goatee. He's got like a. Soul it's not patch. a goatee. It's a soul patch. Yeah, yeah. he's got a little soul patch. Um, and I said, I miss Charlie Swan's mustache. <laughs> Definitely look better, but that screams uh, satanic cult leader a little bit less. Yeah. No, I think the soul patch is the most cult leader of all facial. The soul patch is definitely satanic cult yeah, leader. Yeah, satanic cult leader, for sure. Do you think a soul patch or just like a big unkempt beard is more cult leader? Hmm. I have to go... I feel like I know what like three cult leaders look like. Hmm. And most of them are clean-shaven. Most of them are clean-shaven. You're right. But I don't know a lot of satanic cult leaders. Yeah. I feel like satanic cult leaders, and this is entirely from (laughs) my own feelings. I have no historical evidence. I feel like they had elaborate facial hair. I feel like they had goatees. They're going a little bit more like like, Anton Anton LaVey. Yes. Uh, I mean, that is the only one I I can recall. (laughs) That's like sort of a cult, but kind yeah, of Yeah, or what's that one that was, um... That one's like a true, like, Fu Manchu kind of a thing. What was that one that was named after, like, a, a lord? Do you know what I'm talking about? The one that's like a, a, a uh, pointy little goatee, and it's like mixed something? Oh, man. Like... This is the dumbest I've ever felt. Um, trying to think of a name of a facial hair. Yeah. It's okay because I don't think anybody knows what you're talking about. I feel about. like everyone's screaming at me. <laughs> this is what this is what the people came here for. <laughs> Listening to Liz type. <laughs> what is the satanic cult leader facial hair? <laughs> Lord. How am I even supposed to find it? Lord facial hair is what Lord I'm going Facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> a Van Dyke. Oh, yeah, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. See? You're like, oh, I typed in Van Dyke, and they were like, Dick Van Dyke. That's who you're talking about, right? No, it's it's this. This is definitely satanic cult leader. That is satanic cult leader. 
That's what I'm thinking of. Here's oh my Pierce god, Brosnan Pierce Brosnan looks great in a Van Dyke. He looks a little like Colonel Sanders. A little bit, but like... That's like also Colonel Sanders' facial yeah, hair, for it sure. it is. Yeah, you're right. Here's, uh... <laughs> oh, Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Renner oh no. I guess it is also the Johnny Depp facial hair now that not I'm thinking really, about though. it. Really though. It doesn't you have to have a hair. it has to be pointy on the bottom. That's just a goatee. Yeah, I guess you're right. Goatee soul patch combo. Got the curly mustache. Mm, a curly mustache really sets off the Van Dyke. I feel like for a Van Dyke you have to have the mustache and the beard not connected. Yes. Yes, as as a beard expert, I agree. <laughs> we couldn't even remember the name of it one minute ago, and we're like, these are the definitive characteristics of a Van Dyke. <laughs> Johnny Depp's facial hair just doesn't connect. Though, I, think I think that he can't grow a goatee. A, I, I don't think he can grow it fully in. I don't think so either. I think that's just what it does, and he, he leaned into it, which is smart. Yeah. And it looks fine on him. <laughs> um, anyway, um, that yeah. is a uh, good satanic cult leader facial hair. You're right, but Jonah doesn't have a Van Dyke, no, so he, has a he soul gets patch. killed. If he had a Van Dyke, <laughs> would he win the movie? Maybe he gets pretty far, and then he gets distracted by the accountant who winks at him, and then very hot, yeah, <laughs> and then uh, our our dude Milton kills him, yeah, with the magic. God gun. Blast his skull in half. So it, that. Oh my god, this is what I. No, this is the worst CGI in the film. Yes. This is like the rest of the CGI is sort of like bad 2010s CGI. But this CGI looked like he like goes into pieces and there's a sort of like tunnel in the sky and then his pieces are floating around and flying at the camera. And. It looks like a 90s video game. It like does. that level. Yeah. Like it, it's Scorpion King CGI. It's like if, um, shoot, this is where I, I'm going to feel stupid and have to Google something. <laughs> Who is the poet slash author from like the early 1900s, late 1800s? I think it's William something. Who did a lot of sort of occulty looking artwork. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, God. Blake? Yeah. 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 Blake. Yeah. It was like if William Blake was a 90s video game. Yes. That's exactly what it was. Oh, man. Yeah. Because there's just sort of like hell. There's a lot of like symbols and light and like, stuff. Yeah. And then like clouds, big, big angry clouds. clouds. And then you see, and like the pieces of his body have no light shading on them. Like you need to do to make something look. Real. Properly real and three-dimensional. Just, like, various pieces of bone. Oh, yeah, because his face melts off, but it's CGI face melting, so it's not actually as scary as, like... No. It's not scary like Indiana Jones. No, it's nowhere near that scary. That would have been so much better. That would have been... If they'd actually melted get, a wax skull. I still get haunted by that scene when I see it. Seeing that scene as a kid truly fucked me up. It's terrifying. Nothing will ever surpass just, like, melting, that, melting and then the when he the skull. Drinks from the wrong goblet in the Last Crusade, yep. and the guy like turns into the corp, the the crypt keeper, yeah, and disintegrates. Um, those two scenes when I saw them like at ten, pfft, ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> I had so many nightmares about those. Um, yeah, so he is gone. Oh, there was this moment earlier where someone Webster offered Milton a beer, 
And he said, I won't drink a beer until I can drink it from Jonah's skull. So he literally, there's like a, a big old bowl of his skull lands on the ground and he drinks a beer out of it. But before that, um, we have, he seems to be dying. He is on the ground. Milton is bleeding out. Um, <laughs> Piper is crying. Uh, and now they have the baby. He's like, um, you have to take this baby and take care of it and nurture it along with my pal Webster. Yeah. He's like, guess what? You're a mom now. <laughs> Just raised my granddaughter. And I said, you've known this woman 48 hours. And now you have... And half of what you know is that she's insane. She is not a, She's not fit for motherhood. You know, she's a pretty good uh, road companion on your vengeance tour. But I think Webster probably will yeah, be a I good dad. I definitely want her on my team if I'm like going to go fight a bunch of people. I feel like Webster's going to be the dad, and she's going to be... Webster would be a much better parent. <laughs> she's going to be, you know, around. I don't know. <laughs> Having dudes paint her toenails. Yeah, yeah. So I don't... That was weird. That was a weird choice, I guess. Um, but then he gets to drink beer from the skull. So um, that's nice. And... Oh, but then he goes back to hell, and it's awesome. Oh, yeah. So the accountant... One of the moments I really liked was the accountant throughout the film sometimes will talk to people and will allude to the fact that they're going to die in three months or at age 73 because he knows how everyone's going to die and whether they're going to end up in hell or heaven. And he, there's this woman who has sort of been taking care of the baby who's in the cult. She's always the one who's holding it and carrying it around. And at the, this end part, like Jonah's trying to sacrifice the baby gets interrupted. He tells her to just kill it. And she is like crying and hesitating and won't stab the baby. Cause obviously she doesn't want to kill this baby. Um, but when the accountant goes up to her and takes the baby from her, he asks her, were you going to let him kill the baby if we didn't interrupt? And she doesn't really answer. I think she's, mm-hmm. and he goes, I'll be seeing you. And I said, oh, that lady's going to hell. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, uh, he and. Um, he says too little, too late. Too little, too late. Yeah. Um, so, so our dude, the accountant conjures up a gorgeous car from 60s 50s 60s yeah that was an older car it was an old car which i said that fits the accountant that's his style it was great yeah and then he is joking like he's like great you did you gotta go back to hell with me that's our agreement hell has compassion yeah what milton says yeah and milton because he got the beer and he got to you know um take care of his daughter was or granddaughter was like even hell even even in hell there's compassion but he says um i'm gonna break out again and the accountant's like, I kind of hope you do. And then he lets him drive, and they just drive off into hell together. And, and now just it's like, a buddy movie. It was just, it looked like a buddy movie. They're just driving through hell, listening. The song playing was ridiculous. It was definitely written for this movie. Yeah, it was bananas. It sounded like a meatball. No, but it works because it's, I was about it's to say. It's not actually meatloaf. Yeah, I was going to say it sounds like a meatloaf, like, ripoff, so it's meatball is the name. <laughs> Did meatloaf have any kids? Do you think uh, they called them meatballs? They should have. I don't know if he the did Little or not. meatballs. Um, yeah, and that's the end of the film. Yeah, and then over the credits, over the credits, we yep. had this this song playing, no words, just a, like a metal instrumental song, and it was fun fact called "Drive Angry," and it was written by Weston Cage, 
Nicholas Cage's, Cage's son, son. who is in a metal band. And I said, oh, that's nice. That's cute. That's cute. They were together. Um, um, yeah, so that's Drive Angry. Um, so what would you rate this movie? Ooh. You know, I was just thinking about it, and there's no, like, I feel like this movie was pretty cagey, but there's no, there's not a lot of standout cagey moments. The sex scene. Yeah, but he doesn't even really do anything. But it... <sighs> it was weird. It was weird. But it's not weird because of Nicolas Cage, necessarily. Cagey's part is the diner. Yeah, when he makes out with that waitress. When he makes out with that waitress, but also, like, his delivery of his lines was pretty weird in that yeah. one. But I think that is the weirdest part. Everything else, honestly, his performance was fairly grounded compared to... Other than, like, the he movie was doing... The movie was crazy. The movie's crazy. Amber Heard's performance was much more unhinged than his. He was just sort of, like, Yeah, laconic. she kind of has a lot of highs and lows in her performance, where... Yeah. Just, like, emotionally, where she, like, switches in a second from... Yes kind of being normal to just like kind of having an outburst. She is the epitome of the of of the strong female character, like Capcom. Quote unquote. Yes, yeah. quote unquote. Strong female character, which just means that like she gets to like kick butt and swear and be angry, but it doesn't really have any dimension. Yeah, I agree. Um yeah, but he uh, compared uh, he was very like supposed to be a Clint Eastwood type character. Yeah. So he was pretty chill. So 2011 was a big year for Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Uh, This came out. Season of the Witch, which we already did, came out in 2011. Sure did. Uh, Seeking Justice, also just called Justice, came out that year. Justice! And Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance (sighs) came out this year. I can't wait. And I feel like this movie and that movie are kind of the same movie. (laughs) Same movie. But he does do a lot of movies just sort of back to back that are very similar. Yeah. He even put on that bandana that had skulls on it when Mm -hmm. he got his eyes shot out. Um, Yeah, this is basically Ghost Rider 3. Sewed into his jacket a piece of, like, an uh, ancient Egyptian, like, soul of Anubis statue yes. in this movie. That's why he calls that guy Anubis. Yeah. He was just thinking about it from his, uh, yeah, Ghost Rider costuming. Yeah. I, yeah, so okay. what would you, what would you give this movie? So I would, out of, like, ten, I would probably give this movie, ooh, this is tough. Like, as it's not a good movie. But it's also not trying to be a good movie. So it feels like it could be like a six. Out of ten? Yeah. So I'm guessing on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm guessing it has like a 40%. You're pretty close. It is uh, 47% on Rotten Tomatoes for critics. Oh. 37% for audiences, which is weird because I feel like the audiences should be higher on this one. This feels like a movie that people, like... This feels like it should have a cult following, doesn't it? Yeah. Whether you are a Nicolas Cage fan or a just a like action movie, movie action fan, yeah. it feels like people should really like this. For one. the for the like we were talking about for the time period, it fits right into kind of a lot of the stuff that was going mm-hmm. on then. But maybe that was a problem. Maybe people were comparing comparing maybe. it to these other movies that had done it better. Maybe you know, like Grindhouse was pretty well received critically. Um, Machete was. <laughs> Nicholas Cage has a bit part in Grindhouse. Yes, he does in the fake trailer. And Grindhouse, you're right, was reviewed very highly. Yeah. Um, 
So I think that it was being compared to those and people were like, yeah, it's not doing it right or not. You know, I don't know. Yeah, could be. Maybe they were just burned out on it. I thought this was really fun. I would definitely recommend it. Definitely fun, fun to uh, watch with your friends. Make fun of, especially if you like that sort of, like the kind of... Again, like very like Robert Rodriguez, mm-hmm. very sort of everything's on eleven. Yeah, very violent, uh, sexual, over the top. Yeah, have some um, so. have some angry navels, and have you'll some have angry a, navels and a great time. I I think I don't know out of out of a hundred if we're doing like Rotten Tomato scores. I think for me, I would probably put it closer to like a B. Okay. Yeah. Um, like a solid, like, 80% somewhere in there. Mm. I could see... Like a low B. I could go a little higher, but... Like, maybe 85 is where I... I would I'd maybe move it up to a C. I could put it at, like, 73%. But yeah. I... Yeah. It's just a little too disjointed. Um, It's very fun. But as a movie, I'm like, it's not a good movie. No. So that's why I can't put it any higher than a C. Yeah. But again, I feel like it accomplishes what it wanted to accomplish. Which is why it doesn't get an F. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, um, yeah, so then uh, this week in Inside the Cage. I didn't like that one. <laughs> I was like, I gotta do something different. And then I tried to do, I was like, I'll go quiet instead. And then I went, oh. Anyway, um, yeah, this week we're going to talk about the interview between Nicolas Cage and John Carpenter. And they were interviewing each other. And this was very exciting for me because my two worlds are crossing. And, you know, honestly, this fits in a lot better into this week than I had previously realized. Um, just having people talking about some of their favorite sort of B-movies yes. and uh, that sort yeah. of thing. And this is so – some parts of this have gone a little viral – um, what's fun to me is John Carpenter is sort of notoriously a grumpy old man. Um, he's in his 70s. He's retired from filmmaking. He is now into video games and making music, which he's always made music. But now he's like, that's what I want to do. I'm, I'm not doing movies anymore. And um, which is fun because they start out the article with at 73, John Carpenter has done some is accomplished something that. Nick Cage will probably never do, which is to retire. <laughs> um, and so I was like, what is this going to be like? Because Nick Cage is also a loose cannon. It's delightful. It's so much fun. I definitely recommend it. I'll definitely throw it onto the Instagram. It's just like a really warm and... and in the notes for this episode, if you're listening to this now. Yeah. It's a really warm and, and very informative um interview about music and filmmaking and storytelling and like I think John Carpenter is blown away by how much Nicolas Cage knows Mm -hmm. about his own like he's like I watched all these John Carpenter movies to prepare for our interview and he's like oh well that's very nice of you and then he's also just like dropping all of these filmmaker names and all of like John Carpenter's influences from his childhood that he's mentioned in interviews and talking about uh, Nicolas Cage talking about music and all these composers. And there's, like, a part in here where John Carpenter's just like, I just, wow. Like, it's just like, you do it, yeah. In the uh, beginning of the uh, article, did you notice that we got a chef? 
I did. <laughs> they we talk about all of the uh, podcasts that are people who are Nicolas Cage fans watching all of his movies. To try and understand his career. And I said, oh, that's us. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're in this article, too. Um, but yeah, they lament the fact that they have never done a film together, which I agree. I think that would be wonderful. Um, I would love it's to see gonna that. It's not going to happen because he's retired. He's retired. That's he's... the most sad thing about this article. Yeah, because a couple of times Nicolas Cage is like, you can, we can do We can movie. make a movie. And, and he's John Carpenter's like, I'm like, retired. I'll write a song with you. I'm not making any more movies. Um, which, like, is fair. John Carpenter's last film was not good. Is bad. And even in, like, the 90s, his films were decreasing in quality. I think that uh, the, oh man, what's it called? Well, they do uh, talk about one thing a couple of times in the article, which is them talking about James Dean and how yeah. James Dean is one of the few people with a perfect uh, perfect career because he only made three movies. Yep. And if you are around for any length of time, they're not all going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, which was kind of a fun acknowledgement of just sort of the ups and downs of Hollywood and, uh, Mm -hmm. him sort of being like, yep, I, I think both of them obviously have had downs in their careers. And so I think, yeah, that is a good reference for them to be like, it can't be perfect unless you, you're dead. Um, yeah, and I think there's also this fun moment where John Carpenter is talking you about... You either die the hero, you live long <laughs> you enough to see not become the villain. To become Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Carpenter is very, like, modestly being like, I don't understand acting. Like, I can understand directing, but I don't know how you guys do what you do, because I can't do it. Um, and later on, he's talking about, like... Um, I don't remember... Something I don't know. John Carpenter's talking about something else, and basically Nicolas Cage is like, "That's acting. You're an actor. You should be you in a movie." It. John Carpenter's like, ah, "Well, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know." Um, but yeah, he brings up all of these like films that he loves. He talks a lot about um, the uh, in the Mouth of Madness, which is one of my favorite John Carpenter films, and one of his lesser known ones. It's so weird. It's, it's such a weird movie. It's the one that he watched moments before uh, uh, having yes. an interview, right? And he's talking about it, and they bring up Color Out of Space, which we haven't watched on the podcast yet, but it's a movie that I love. And yeah. he's like, this is directly, this is, you know, the thing. It is obviously influences so much. And John Carpenter's like, I loved that film, and I saw the homage, and it worked. And also, um, Prisoners of Ghostland is Escape uh, from New York. Escape from New York, yeah. Um, and I which was we like, haven't seen yet on Which the we podcast. also haven't watched on the podcast. This article gave me so many movies that I want to cover now because of this article specifically. Yeah. You know what I really want to cover now specifically because of this article is Joe... Uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so, Joe has been on my radar for a long time, but I have not seen it. The reason Joe is on my radar is because if you do yoga online, uh, yoga with Adrian. Yeah. Adrian is an actress and she is in Joe. <gasps> <laughs> um, and it's like one of the few, like, big movies that she's in, but Adrian she's in it. yoga is in it? Yeah. Wow. Um, but also, now the reason I want to see it is because Nicolas Cage in this article said that his character Joe from the movie Joe is the character that is the most like he is in real life, which 
is wild because I think Joe is like a revenge thriller kind yeah. of movie. And also <laughs> kind of like this one. And also um, came out I mean he's had this art this interview is after the unbearable yeah. weight of massive talent. So obviously which we know that he's not playing himself. Yeah. But you would think that would be the answer to be like, this one is the most like Yeah, me. he's also so self-absorbed in the unbearable way to yeah. massive talent. I feel like it'd be hard to cop to that. <laughs> but I guess that just shows you how much he was acting in that film. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people are like, he's just being himself. And obviously he's not. Um, I did find the part. Okay. So they're talking about Anthony Perkins because mm-hmm. um, John Carpenter knew him and Nicolas Cage um, has been working with his son. And Anthony Perkins is who played um, Norman Bates. And they're talking about what a, what a nice man he was. And John is telling the story about going to one of Burt Reynolds' house parties. And Anthony Perkins is there. They're playing charades. He and Anthony Perkins get teamed up. And they were the perfect team. They beat everyone. He said, we had the same brain. I could come up with a gesture. And he had what it was. And Nicholas was like, well, you know what that means then, John? That means you're an actor. <laughs> and he's like, uh, well, and he's like, no, no, no. You're, communi- you're communicating through gestures, and that's acting. And he's like, you should teach a class. <laughs> My favorite part of this article was definitely towards the end when they were talking about Nicolas Cage University. And I was like, that's what we all want. Yes. And John is like joking about it and is like, come on, let's grift people. Let's make a John, let's make a John Carpenter and Nicholas Cage University. And Nicholas Cage is like, I don't know. I don't don't think think so. so. (laughs) Um, It was just, it's just really nice. You should read it. Um, And you'll learn a lot if you read it because they drop a lot of history. So they do good stuff. All right. Well, I think this is a long episode, but I think it was worthwhile. We, we had a lot, lot to, to say. It's moving, man. <laughs> we had a lot to say. Well, rate, review, subscribe, all of that stuff. Make Follow a, us on social media. Make an angry navel at home. Make an angry navel. Um, homemade peach schnapps is fine if you don't have store bought. Uh, <laughs> is that a, are, are I don't a know. lot of people making homemade I don't know peach, how to make peach schnapps? <laughs> what, are, what am I just? Because I'm German? (laughs) Probably just soak some peaches in vodka for a real long time. Yeah, let's Uh, do it. That's probably fine. That's enough. Rubbing alcohol in peaches. No, no. Um, All right. All right. We gotta go. (laughs) Stay cagey. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I'm still alive. Must have been a miracle. It's been a hell of a ride. Destination still unknown. It's a fact of life. If you make one wrong move with a gun to your head, you'd better walk the line or you'll be left for dead.